This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hello and welcome to Saving Grace. I'm Carmen Pate, your host for this podcast. Over the past couple of weeks, we have discussed God's call for believers to supernatural living, to reveal the spectacularness of God to a watching world. We learned last week of the provision that God has made for this supernatural life, and in this, our final podcast of the series, we'll focus on God's provision of power and what we can expect when the power of Christ lives through us. We're excited to have back with us today Dwight Edwards, Senior Pastor of Water's Edge Community Church in Houston, Texas. He has been a pastor for over 30 years and has ministered throughout the United States and around the world. He is a current best-selling author of books including Kindling for the Fire, Revolution Within, and Releasing the Rivers Within. Welcome back, Dwight. Well, thanks. I love being here. Oh, so glad you've been with us. We've learned so much. I, I couldn't help but think how in recent weeks our discussion has led me to be reminded of the great adventure we really yes. are on when we Absolutely. are are following following the Lord in this supernatural living, uh, and he's empowered us to do that. You, We talked last week about the provision of new purity, uh, our new identity. We have a new disposition, and yet you say those things will lead us to frustration and defeat if we don't have that fourth provision. Yeah, Why so? It's very interesting because uh, Paul in Romans, it's clear that he's very aware of his new purity, justification, chapters 3 through 5. He's very aware of his new identity, chapter 6. Uh, he's very aware of his new disposition, chapter 7, I according to the inward man, delight in the law of God. But he finishes Romans 7 by saying this, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? Mm. And so it's almost as if uh, justification, new purity plus new identity plus new uh, disposition equals failure, frustration, and defeat. If that's all that if you that's have. All you if have. that's all you have. Yeah. So he's keenly aware of wanting to go in a different direction than, than before he was saved, mm-hmm. you know, and, and recognizing all these great things that God has, has done for him. But I'm, I'm just so intrigued with the way he puts it. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. And then he doesn't say, what will deliver me from this body of sin? He asks the right question. He says, who will deliver me? from the body of sin. And the reason I bring this up is most systems of sanctification today are based on a what rather than a who. Mm, so, and, and, we, and we talk about yeah. this in the book that, you know, mm. the one, one system is, and probably the most common is simply do what is right. In other words, here's what the Bible says, it's the moralistic model, mm-hmm. I just do what the Bible says. Kind of in response to that, almost a backlash is the therapeutic model, which turns around and says, no, fix what is wrong. You can't do what is right until you go back and uncover all the different things in your past that are causing you to not be able to move forward. And it's basically the fix what is wrong model. Uh, another one that's very, very common is uh, what we call the get what is missing model. And that is, you know, if you can have some just special supernatural experience, you know, it'll, 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 it'll take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's this huge mountaintop high and you'll, you know, you'll, you'll never be the same. And the final one I would say is is um, simply believe what is true. In other words, the, the key to Christianity is just truth and doctrine and knowing what's true. All of them have a modicum of truth, but all of them are based on a what. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think the great issue, Paul is saying, no, 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 no. The issue is releasing what is good. Mm. 
It's not doing what is right. It's not fixing what is wrong. It's not believing what is true. It's not getting what's missing. It's simply releasing what is good and what is good is God. So the great passage on that is, is John chapter 7, where Jesus says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. As the scripture said, out of his innermost being will flow and really the best translation is torrents of living water. Mm, wow. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it, that's why my second book is called Releasing the Rivers Within, mm. is, is the, 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 the key to over, overcoming <clears throat> the, the shortfalls in our life is not flesh modification. It's not, yeah. you know, getting the, the past fixed, so forth. It's just allowing that which is deeper, the rivers of living water, to, to, just to spill to forth. Just let him exactly. overflow in exactly. your life. And, and what overflows when you filled yourself with yes, him is, exactly. is, is the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, which absolutely. Is what he, oh, it's all beautiful. That's great. Well, you know, we're all given uh, this, this power, which is the Holy Spirit, right. in us. Uh, but to be honest, all this, all, many of us would say, including myself at times, well, I don't always feel like I have that power. Uh, what are some of the obstacles that keep us from really releasing this power that's with us all the time, never leaves us? Well, uh, probably a couple of things. One is not really, really, really believing that we need that power. Mm. You know, we, we, we've learned to function well in this world and in the Christian world. Uh, it's, it's possible to pull off a multitude of Christian activities uh, without really ever asking the question, am I allowing the Lord to do this through me? Am I, am I falling back on, on, on his, uh, his strength? So I think that's uh, one of them. I think another one is this. I, I think that um, you really begin to experience the power of God when we allow ourselves to be put in positions and places that we're uncomfortable in the sense of, uh, I think you, you, you spell faith R-I-S-K. And, and when we get out of our comfort zone, mm-hmm. that's, I think, one of the, the, the times that we really begin to experience for the first time, oh, wow, that's different. I remember I was a freshman in college at Pan American University, and I just started growing as, as a believer, mm-hmm. and, but I was painfully shy, pain, painfully shy. And we had in the school a baseball player who was killed in a car accident, a very strong Christian. And they held a, a memorial service for the entire school. So there's several thousand people sitting in there. And uh, the, the man who was overseeing the, um, uh, the, the memorial said, Dwight, I'd like to ask you to come up and read John 14. I can't remember what the passage was. And I said, no, not, not a chance. <laughs> not doing that. Not doing that. You know, he said, no, you know, you'd be the right one to do this. And finally, he, he talked me into it. And I'll never forget, you know, standing up in front of all these people thinking, God, this is going to be disastrous, if, you know, if something. And then the, the, the point came to reading, and it's, it's a small thing, but I read the passage perfectly. And I sat down and I thought, wow, mm-hmm. that was cool. Because <laughs> I, I couldn't take any credit for it, and you knew it wasn't you. I, I knew it wasn't yes, me. It was, yes. it was. It was totally God. Oh. God. God flowing, flowing through. And that was the first time that I realized, you know, this is a different deal. Mm-hmm. You know, flesh can't get you there. That's Discipline right. can't get you there. I mean, this is a, a breakout of God. You know, in that in that regard. So, and He's so good that way yeah. because He wants to encourage us in our walk, don't you think? So Absolutely. He gives us those little glimpses every now and then, but not so much that we become prideful. Yes, that, that, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I've got this power. Let me show right, you right. He, it's, it, again to make sure that He gets the glory in exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Well, you said uh, our problem isn't in trusting God; it is in trusting God alone. 
Now, what do you mean by that? Well, that comes that? from C.S. Yeah. Lewis, and, and I, I, yeah. I love that thought because he, he wrote to uh, somebody who said, our problem is not trusting God. Our problem is trusting God alone. And this gets at really the heart of what threw Israel off and throws us off as well, and that is we're willing to trust God as long as we hedge our bets, as long as we have some back pocket gods that we can pull out in case God doesn't come through. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Israel never forsook God himself. She just added. In other words, she, she brought in the foreign gods and just added them to the mix so that when, um, you know, God wasn't coming through. Exactly, exactly what it is, a backup yes. plan and so forth. So um, I think that that's the idea behind it because there, there's, I think there's a level of terror to really, really trusting only God, mm. you know, in, in finances, you know, if God doesn't come through, how have I hedged my bets so that I'm going to be okay? Mm-hmm. As opposed mm-hmm. to saying, no, if God doesn't come through, we're in serious trouble. And there's just a, a lot of different illustrations like sure, that. Sure, sure. But um, it gets back to the whole idea the end of self is the beginning, uh, beginning of God. Mm-hmm. And, and I would also say this, though, that the joy is spelled R-I-S-K as well. Mm-hmm. There's something yes. about being put in that position where it requires God to come through. And when that happens, it's like, Wow. Yes. That was great to come along for the ride. Yeah, yeah when you take that step of faith, not having any idea yeah. what the outcome is going to be, but you know God called you to That's do right. it. That's exactly right. Then it, it is. There's, there's, there's such joy in seeing him work in supernatural ways. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. it's incredible. Well, you know, uh, you referenced uh, Romans 7 when Paul says, wicked wretch that I am. Uh, he, he, before that, though, he's into this, talks about this struggle. Yeah. And I, I am certain there's not a listener who cannot relate to Romans seven fifteen. You know, for what I'm doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice. What I hate that I do. Uh, would you say this is typical of Christians who are trying to grasp their their purity and their their identity and their disposition without God's power? Yes, certainly, and I yeah. actually I love Romans seven uh-huh. uh, in in one sense because until we exit planet Earth, we'll all be in Romans seven to some degree. In other words, mm-hmm. there will never come a time that we lose the downward pull of the flesh. You know, that, that, that we won't be tempted to go in, 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 in very wrong places. And so I love Paul's just honesty and oh, saying, you yes. know what, I'm a walking civil war. This, I'm so amazed at how many commentators say, well, he's, not, he's talking about his pre-Christian days. Oh, There's well, no way. No way. There's no possible way. The, the sequencing of it is, is, you know, A to Z. He's right in the middle of being a genuine believer. Mm-hmm. So, and, and in fact, if there's one thing I, I, would, I wish I had added a little bit more to, uh, to Revolution Within, it's just the fact that the most godly, mature saints struggle till the day they die. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we don't reveal what that struggle is. Uh, but the fact is, you know, that the flesh militates against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. You know, they're contrary to, uh, to one another. I think the issue, though, is that the intensity of the struggle is substantially diminished when he moves into Romans 8, mm-hmm. which is all about the power of the Spirit power and so Spirit. forth. So we'll, we'll never take the, the struggle away. And, and I, I, think, I think in the church it's important to give people the, the ability to struggle because we all struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, if we're honest, yeah. we all have hip pocket gods. Yes. We all are hedging our bets. You know, until the day we die, there's going to be depths of sin that we've never seen to this point. But the beauty of it is God never turns his back on us. 
he just keeps throwing his arms around us and he's saying, you'll never make it on your own. (laughs) You've got to fall back on on, on my power. So, Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, when we talked two weeks ago about our call to supernatural living, uh, we, we, again, we talked about coming to the end of ourselves and we, we really have come full circle uh-huh. on, on coming to the end of ourselves, haven't we? Absolutely. Because, uh, if, if, and, and I think it's, it's probably the, the bottom line, uh, main point of, of our discussion over three weeks is, is how much we need this God in us to live through us to bring him honor and glory. Absolutely. You know, God funds well his own projects. Mm-hmm. And, and, and for us to be able to live the kind of life that truly laser focuses upon him, that spotlights him, we can't do that. That, that is a task way beyond what any human could possibly do. But that's the beauty. Uh, now, that's what Paul says in Second Corinthians. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Mm-hmm. It's such a great statement. You know, we have this power in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God uh, and not of us. And so, again, just go back to a simple idea that, um, and this is where I love, you know, Christ's statement that unless you become as a child, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And the child he's speaking of there is probably a young three, four-year-old and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, ch- children know their need. You know, they're not trying to be sophisticated. You know, they're not trying to fake people out. You know, they're just saying, please, I can't do it. Pick me up. And mm-hmm. so forth, mm-hmm. and and I, I think he gives that as as the the picture of of, of living well in the kingdom. That at, at every turn we're turning to God, and so like my grandchildren, you know, they get tired, they turn, pick me up, yes, you know, yeah, they, carry you know, me. yeah, carry me, exactly. <laughs> They're not saying I got what it takes, uh-huh. and and I think God just loves you know when we come to the end of ourselves and say, Lord, help, I can't mm-hmm. do this, mm-hmm. I can't do this, and He says that's what I've been waiting to hear. And he pulls us up, grabs us, and then he can do do us through, you know, do things through us that we could never ever possibly do on our. And I don't think the Christian life gets exciting till that happens. You know, I, I think that the the, the flesh driven, um, kind of self reliant spiritual life, you know, it's it's a push me pull you. I don't, there's 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 a level of joy that's missing, mm-hmm. you know, in that. And I agree. and and there tends to be a level of grim face spirituality at the at at the same time. So. Um, I, I, it seems to me in our in our own lives, my husband and I, I it seems that the the adventures are become greater, uh, the risk becomes greater. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and our recognition of our wickedness truly uh, becomes more and more real. Uh, the the closer we draw to the Lord, we recognize how how wicked we are uh, internally and how grateful we are to a Lord who would even allow us these opportunities. That's such a great statement because I, th- I think that's one of the clearest evidences of, of, of spiritual growth is that is, on one hand, we are feeling better about ourselves because of God and who he is and what he's provided. But as we begin to see more and more of our sin, we realize, wow. You know, I didn't know that it went that deep. So I, I, Paul's a great example. You know, when he, one of the first times that he writes, he, he describes himself as the least of the apostles. Yes. You know, a couple of years later, he's the least of the saints. And then he finishes it with, I'm the chief of sinners. Chief of sinners. Uh, we never want to get over our brokenness. I think this is something that we don't understand. Brokenness is the best thing that we have going for us. Mm-hmm. The problem with Saul is he got over his brokenness. Samuel comes to him and says, when you were small in your own eyes, 
Did not God exalt you and make a head? Uzziah got over his brokenness. Yes, he and and it says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his own destruction. We never want to get over our brokenness. We, we, in fact, we want to go deeper and deeper mm-hmm. and deeper into it. Because it, it only heightens the, the passion uh, and the desperation yes. for a purity not our own, an identity not our own, a disposition not our own, a power not our own. Uh, and so forth. And then that becomes so true in that uh, in in our weakness, we are made strong. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So the, the desire, you know, I'll boast yeah. in my weakness that's right. because I do want that power of God exactly. living in me. Exactly. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, what do you think it means for us practically when we really grasp our independence? Uh, or excuse me, our dependence on the Holy Spirit's power in us. Uh, how how does that? What does that look like when we are out and about in our daily lives? I think that's a great question. Most of life is routine. Most of life is ordinary. God designed it that way. But the believer has a high-stepping purpose the rest of the world doesn't have. So Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do also the glory of God. And so I think it's the idea of I attack life, realizing that most of life is very ordinary, is very mundane. What are those little different touch points where God could could show himself strong. So when I get cut off in traffic, you know, who, who's, you know, especially if somebody's in the car, what's going to be the response? Right. You know, uh, <laughs> it brings glory to God when, you know, you're not angry or whatever, you know, whatever you do. But I just think we, we underestimate how much of life is, is, it's ordinary, but it's not insignificant, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I, I would, I would say in, in how we respond to an unreasonable boss, mm-hmm. um, you know, how good a job we do. There's just a plethora of different things that are mainly in the shadows yeah. that don't make Christianity today. Uh, and that's why one of my favorite passages on the life of Jesus is Acts 10. And he says this, how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good. Mm. That's all it says. <laughs> that's it, right. He went about doing good. And so I, I think there's a... Uh, a surprise factor that could be or should be in our lives and say, Lord, what do, what do you have today? Yes, you know, yes. What, what new adventure do we have? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that adventure is not going to be speaking to a thousand people. A lot of times yeah. it's going to be just, you know, speaking to one little boy, you know, mm-hmm. and asking him how his day is going and, you know, right. things like things like that. Oh, you're right, because those those moms that are at home raising children, yes. homeschooling, doing, taking care of, they may think, well, what I'm doing is significant, and yet it can be a beautiful gift to the Lord oh. in how they are nurturing those children. That it's are, hugely, yeah. hugely significant. Yes, and yes. Uh, And I think when, you know, the, you bring in the idea, okay, I'm doing this, so that the spectacularness of God in some form, some fashion mm-hmm. can be reflected in my life, mm-hmm. then it, it, it t- kind of takes the, the boredom or the dullness out of this mundane task. Yes. You know, I realize, oh, wait a minute, there's something far greater at stake uh, than this. You know, I, when I was playing tennis and, and really started to grow as a believer, then that would be one thing when I'd walk out on the court, I'd say, okay, what, what can I do here that would have a surprise factor for the guy over there? Well, n- normally I would be very... Uh, you know, what's a good word? Um, uh, not scarce, but I, you know, when he hit a great shot, I'd, I'd make sure to clap for him and say, man, that's a great shot. Because mm-hmm. that, that, that doesn't happen very often. Yeah. So it's just fine. They're little things. Little. It's, not, it's not a big thing, but, you know, it's, it's just different ways. And you know, God sees it. Yeah, God sees it. He absolutely does. Well, as we appropriate the, the provision that God has given us uh, in all of these ways, how does that impact our intimacy with God? Uh. 
Well, you know, I, I, I'd say that the, the first thing that the Spirit of God within us and all the provisions that are there is to serve as a magnet to draw straight to God. You know, that, that, that everything good in our lives comes out of that intimate, passionate, ever-deepening love affair with Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, essentially one of the promises of the new covenant in Jeremiah, he says, I will give them a heart to know me. What a great statement. I will, we cannot know God unaided. We cannot love God unaided. We cannot worship God unaided. Everything good in our lives comes because God within us moves us to God above us. And so it, what it does is it produces a real a freedom, you know, and, and just an enjoyment. So I go to the scriptures, and I like to put it this way. My number one reason for going to the scripture is not, you know, to find principles for successful living, though they're there, it's to gather material for hero worship. Mm. In other words, what, what I want out of my time in the scriptures more than anything else is I want new vistas of this uh-huh. God that just takes my breath away. Yeah. You know, as, I, as I, I watch Jesus walking and moving and living his life, you know, I want to see the surprise factor in ways that I've, I've not seen before, mm-hmm. you know. Because I always say, over the long haul, discipleship is sustained more by wonder than discipline. Let me say oh, that again. Like over, that. over the long haul, discipleship is sustained more by wonder than I by wonder. discipline. The Pharisees were very disciplined, but they lost all wonder. Mm. And so, and this for me was a red letter day when I came to see that. The, the number one reason I go in the scriptures is to gather material for hero worship. You know, yeah. I, I, I just, I, I, I want to be surprised anew, yes. you know, and yes. so forth. And then secondarily, wisdom and, and different things like that. But I, I think the spirit of God within us uh-huh. is, is, is propelling us towards, the, or towards that kind of God. I can totally relate to that. I know uh, in my own time in the Word, one of the things that I found over the years that there would be days, and probably a lot of days if I were looking for it, but there would be days when, when I would run into a person who, in order for me to encourage them, in order for me to pray for them appropriately, I needed that very word that he gave me that morning mm, exactly. as I opened the exactly. Bible. If I had not read his word, if I would not gone there, I wouldn't have had that to, to share. And so I'll think of that the next day. I think, oh, I, I need to get into the word because I want to exactly. find out what he has to say because I'll bet he's going to let me use it today. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, of course, sometimes it's just to encourage our own heart. Right. But but it is, uh, uh, I love that, look, having that wonder about what he's going to do today. That's beautiful. Well, you, uh, you kind of hit on that freedom of Christ that we, that we have. And I think this is so important. You, call, uh, you define true freedom in Christ as purpose-driven, unrestrained. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that, Dwight? Well, I think that there's just a, a, a wonderful, you know, I don't know a better word, freedom in terms of... Um, <sighs> There's just an exuberance. There's, um, you know, and that, that will vary from personality to personality and so forth, but that it's purpose-driven. In other words, I'm not just free to do my own thing. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm free to do God's thing in ways that I never could before. So I always define freedom is freedom is both the uh, desire and the power to do the will of God. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have both of those, you're not really, uh, really free. But if we are, then God's propelling us along uh, in a way that is dramatically different than the Pharisees and the legalists, of which Paul writes, you know, you've lost your freedom. I mean, all Galatians is about to genuine believers who started well. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect in the flesh? Uh, but now, basically, they've gone back to the law, and they've yeah. lost their freedom. And, and, and in chapter 5, he talks very specifically about that, you know, mm-hmm. that you've lost your freedom. Get it back. 
Because Christianity, if, if anything, is meant to be attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, that, 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 that as people see genuinely free believers, there's, there's a joy, there's yes. a, an exuberance, uh, there's a, a wide-eyed wonder, you know, that, that is, is, is markedly more attractive than what happens too often when, you know, it's just kind of grim-faced and mm-hmm. doing the right thing and so forth. So Even in difficult times, yes. that's when I think, uh, too, uh, oh. when, it's, when there's that surprise factor. Uh, when the world is watching, uh, believers go through trials and tribulations that might devastate them, but they're going through it with, with I won't say a smile on their face, but going with an understanding and a joy that this too shall Absolutely. pass. That's so huge right there, because yeah. I, I think that's one of the places that you most experience the power of God mm-hmm. is being able to respond uh, to unfair treatment, um, to to difficulties, and so forth. Yes. And uh, Jonathan Edwards is, he said that um, never is virtue more admirably displayed than when it's set against the backdrop of affliction, of affliction and mm. suffering. Wow. In fact, I think a lot of times unbelievers don't take us seriously until they've seen us suffer. I think a lot of times they're waiting to see, okay, fine, but I, I want to see what happens, you know, when, you know, the diagnosis comes in badly or they lose a child and so forth. And, and, and very often it's been those glimpses of the supernatural that has caused them, you know, unbelievers to say, okay, there's, there must be something there. So yes. I'm glad you brought that up because in this whole realm of the power of God, I think, mm-hmm. you know, suffering is a huge, huge part of it. Yes. And we, and we hear about persecution around the world right. and it just actually fuels the flame of Christianity. Absolutely. Uh, more and more want this God right. that, exactly. they, that would be martyred for. Um, exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, well, uh, we began talking about how it's God's reputation at stake. Yes. So if God's reputation is at stake, then this, these new provisions that we've been given are not just for our own That's edification. Right. He wants us to use this in community and in, in missions. Talk, talk about what you think God intends for us to do with these uh, powerful provisions he's given us. Well, it's such a great point is he didn't give those so we'd have a better self-image or yeah. so that, you know, we'll make it. It's, it's something far more radical, you know, than that. And, and basically he's launching us into a world that is cynical, that is unbelieving, and so forth, and is, and I like the term, we're here to disrupt people's light view of God. Mm. We're here to disrupt people's light view of God. So the idea is all these provisions are given so that basically we reflect Christ, you know, but but we we have to be sure when we use the term we reflect Christ, that we, we have in mind the Christ of the scripture and not the dumbed-down Christ of so much of, of religion and, and churchianity and, oh, and so forth. Point. So that when, you know, mm-hmm. when we talk about Christ-likeness, we're talking about the most radical, astonishing life. We're talking about somebody who turns temples upside down. Yeah. You know, we're talking about somebody who goes right into the teeth of the religious authorities mm-hmm. and excoriates them. We're talking about somebody who, who, who deals with a prostitute in the kindest, most gentle way. Uh, we're talking about, you know, just across the board. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about Christ likeness, I mean, you might as well be talking about flying to the moon on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it's that dramatic and yes. so forth. So, uh, so I think it's fair to say that all these resources are given so that the life of Christ can be reproduced through us. But let's make sure that we, you know, are, are grasping well the radicalness of what we're saying, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with that. Absolutely. Well, it's been a powerful three weeks. Oh, uh, just Thanks, learning Carmen. more about a supernatural living. Yeah. Is, is there, are there any other comments that you'd like to make, or anything that you feel we've left? I don't think we've left uh, anything out that I can I can uh, think of. Maybe a good way is there's a little poem that kind of puts yes. it all together. And he said, "I need not journey far, this distant friend to see." Speaking of Jesus, I need not journey far, this distant friend to see. 
Companionship is always mine. He makes his home with me. I envy not the twelve. Closer to me is he. The life that once he lived on earth, he lives again in me. Oh, I love that. And I love that phrase. I envy not the twelve. Closer Mm -hmm. to me is he. The life that once he lived on earth, he lives again in me. And that's basically what we're talking about. I love it. My prayer is that uh, all of our listeners would grasp these truths and apply them to their lives. And I've learned so much in these three weeks. Thank you again. Well, thank you, Carmen. It's been a huge privilege. Thank you. Well, we do appreciate you joining us today as well. Hopefully our series on supernatural living has motivated you to learn more. Now, if you missed previous podcasts, you can find them easily on our website. And share what you have learned with others. It's a great way to introduce your family and your friends to God's amazing grace. We'd love to get your feedback. We've set up a couple of ways for you to communicate with us. You can email questions or comments to savinggrace at gsot.edu. Perhaps your question will be addressed in a future podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at savinggracecast. Thanks for tuning in today. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership. 